0: Hello and welcome to Crosstalk. I'm Wes McAdams, the preaching minister at Baker Heights Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Mike Bonner, the preacher for the North 5th and Grape Street Church of Christ about the sinner's prayer and whether or not that practice and its concept is biblical. It's a touchy subject, but it's also an important subject, maybe more important than you realize. Stay tuned for that exciting discussion.
1: Baker Heights Church of Christ presents Crosstalk, a biblical discussion about today's most important issues.
0: Often at the close of a religious service, a preacher will ask those who want to be saved to say a prayer with him. Many call this the sinner's prayer. They say by believing in Jesus and saying this prayer, a person accepts Christ as their personal savior. Christ comes into their heart and the person is saved from their sin. Now, I certainly don't know everything. I don't make any claim to be an expert, but I have read the Bible in its entirety and I've read every account of how people became Christians in the New Testament. And although the idea of the sinner's prayer sounds logical and even plausible, I've never read of anyone in scripture becoming a Christian in that fashion. So the question we're going to talk about today is this, is the concept of the sinner's prayer a biblical concept? Is it biblical to pray a prayer and expect Jesus to come into your heart and save you from your sin? Is that a biblical concept? To help us deal with this important and sensitive issue, we're going to be talking with one of my favorite people in the world my brother in Christ my fellow preacher who preaches for the North Fifth and Grape Congregation Mike Bonner Mike welcome to Crosstalk brother Hey how you doing Wes appreciate it I appreciate you being on today I'm I'm excited about this subject and and I know that it is a sensitive subject because yes, there's going to be many that that it applies to and and many who uh, are curious to see what does the Bible really say about this but you've been preaching the gospel a long time and and you're you're very familiar with the word. You're you're a godly man, and so I know that I trust your thoughts on this issue. and And I'd appreciate if you kind of let us know. Do you do you see uh, this idea of the sinner's prayer anywhere in scripture?
2: You no, know, Wes. Uh, I haven't seen it. I've been studying the scriptures for about 17, 18 years, and I've never came across the sinner's prayer. As a matter of fact, I often wonder where did the idea come from. So I, I've never seen it before.
0: Right. Right. Me neither. Uh, so. When when we look at God's Word, when you've studied through the New Testament, what do you see about what the Bible does say about how a person becomes a Christian and how they're saved from their sin?
2: You know, it's interesting that you said that. When we consider salvation, uh, of course, we know that we're saved by the blood of Christ. Uh, One has to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ if they desire to have salvation. So when we think about what are they saved from, well, they're saved from sin. Well, Jesus Christ uh, was the one that God sent in order to save man from sin. We understand that the Bible clearly teaches that the gospel must be obeyed. Uh, You remember in uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And you you have to ask yourself, well, why did Jesus command baptism? Well, he commanded baptism because that's the only uh, way that a person can come in contact with the blood of Christ. That's where God operates on us, if you will, Colossians 2, verses 11 through 14. So the Bible teaches us that one must obey the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 15, verses 1 through 9. So when we consider like, passages like Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, where Peter was preaching there, and you know, they stopped him in the midst of his sermon and said, uh, men and brethren, what shall we do? well he answered the question by saying repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit so the bible teaches us that if we want to have salvation that we must hear the word must believe it that we must repent of sin confess christ to be lord and be buried in water for the remission of our sins
0: absolutely you know i think about that passage in acts chapter two where the people ask what do we do you know what what shall we do and peter replied repent and be baptized. Now, when you look at the religious world today, If somebody were to go up to a preacher or they were to to respond during the sermon, what should we do? They might say, say this prayer, but that's not how Peter replied. That's not how any of the apostles replied. Their reply had to do with baptism and it had to do with yes, believing and yes, trusting in Christ, but baptism plays a part in that. In fact, a person's not a Christian according to the New Testament until they're baptized into Christ. So where did, and you alluded to this a minute ago, where did that idea of the sinner's
2: prayer come from you think? I was looking up some things, you know, and I've been studying it for a while. The Protestant movement is really where it began, you know, when we consider the revolt against the, the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. That's really where it went, and they kind of took it further than what they really needed to do. And when we consider the sinner's prayer, I mean, why should a sinner pray? What do they have to pray for? God has taken care of the salvation process, and He, take, he took care of it by Jesus Christ given us a law in order that we must obey in order to be saved. I really, when there's different uh, versions of the sinner's prayer also, and when we consider those different versions of the sinner's prayer, that already shows us that there is uh, divisiveness there. Well, God only has one way of salvation, and it's found in the scriptures. Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. And I find that 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 so often happens that people will revolt against one idea and they'll swing to an equally unbalanced and equally yes. wrong um, idea. Uh, other idea exactly and yes. so we've got to look at scripture and say what does scripture say about this right. uh, you've given us a lot to think about already but we've got so much more to talk about when we come back i want to look at a few passages of scripture that some people use to try to justify the teaching and practice of the sinner's prayer and we'll see what mike has to say about these passages we'll be back in just a moment
1: cross talk will be back shortly. We come from all walks of life, wondering why we're here and where we're headed. While the world is confusing and constantly pulling your family in different directions, you can find peace in the words of the Bible. Crosstalk is here to do just that. Every Wednesday at noon, have lunch with Wes McAdams from Baker Heights Church of Christ as he highlights different issues that we all face every day. Every week, a new subject is brought to the table so you can find comfort for today's challenges. Through application of biblical teachings to modern issues faced today, Crosstalk will bring hope and light to your life. Join us every Wednesday at noon for Baker Heights Crosstalk on The CW.
0: Welcome back. We're talking with Mike Bonner from the North 5th and Grape Street Church of Christ about the doctrine of the sinner's prayer. Before the break, we talked about the fact that the Bible says a person isn't saved from sin until the point of baptism, but many people teach something different. We're going to look at a few passages of Scripture that many use to support the idea of the sinner's prayer, and we'll ask Mike if these passages actually teach that a person is saved as soon as they pray, asking for forgiveness. Mike, let's let's start with uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16. That's That's probably one of the most quoted passages in the world by most people but John 3:16, of course says this for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life so does that teach that as soon as a person believes as soon as a person says a prayer confessing their belief that they're saved does that teach that idea
2: no no it doesn't Wes as a matter of fact if we can can we go up to verse 14 and kind of read on down absolutely and notice what Jesus said and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so must the son of be lifted up whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life now notice where jesus goes here in this particular context and here he's referencing back in numbers chapter 21 verses 4 through verse number 9 and you remember what took place in the book of numbers where uh, the children of israel were brought out of egyptian bondage and then uh, they were speaking evil against god and against moses and God sent fiery serpents upon them and the fiery serpents were killing some of the children of Israel and Moses went to God and pleaded to God on their behalf and God told them to take a fiery serpent put it on a pole and then they needed to look upon that serpent upon that brazen serpent and whoever looked upon it wouldn't die they would be healed now when we think about how jesus is using this in john chapter three brother west is it just wasn't enough to believe on the serpent being on the pole they had to look upon that serpent it's not enough just to believe on jesus christ one must believe and then follow what he says so when we consider that brother west uh... this particular uh... doctrine of the sinners prayer does cannot be substantiated in john three verse sixteen
0: absolutely that's a great point and that really covers a lot of what we're going to talk about here in just a moment too that the context often bears out the truth yes. about what's being talked about yes. and so often uh, we have a tendency to pull a verse out of context to try to make it say something True. that it doesn't and so we go back there and we look at the context of John 3:16 that we are talking about faith in Jesus Christ That's just right. as the Israelites had to have faith that God could heal them from their, their snake bites right. but in order to be healed their faith had to cause them to do exactly what God had told right. them to do. Let's look at another passage how about the criminal on the cross this is one that we we get all the time and when this subject comes up a lot of people say well you know, back in in Luke chapter twenty three, let's look at that passage, verses forty two and forty three. It says this: Jesus, this is the criminal on the cross, saying to Jesus, "Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And he he being Jesus said to him, "Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise." So presumably, here's a man that's that's uh, hasn't been baptized, and so um, in order for some people uh, to try to justify their stance that baptism has nothing to do with salvation a lot of times they'll go to this passage and say see there Mike uh, you you don't have to be baptized in order to be saved all you have to do is say to Jesus remember me when you come into your kingdom so does that teach that a
2: person today doesn't need to be baptized in order to be saved not at all brother West as a matter of fact when we consider Jesus what law was he uh, born under the mosaic system Right. right So Jesus, the Bible teaches us, had the power to forgive sin on earth, Mark chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. Uh, you remember, it was that man that had the palsy, and Jesus told that man to take up your bed and walk. And he said, your sins have been forgiven you. Well, the religious leaders looked at him and said, who is this man that he can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sin. The very fact that Jesus told him, th- them uh, this man that, he could, uh, that his sins will, could be washed away or that he could be saved from his sin is because he had the power to forgive sin on earth. Well, the very fact that Jesus told the, the criminal on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise, that Hadean ram. He could say that because he was God and he still is God and he still has the power to forgive sin through his blood right absolutely and and when
0: we we look at that it's just it really baffles me that anybody would go to that passage in order to to promote that doctrine because jesus hadn't yet died he hadn't been buried he hadn't been raised from the dead and that's exactly what baptism romans chapter six emulates is jesus death and burial and resurrection those things hadn't even occurred yet we are living post those things and so we need to do what jesus said believe and be baptized in order to be saved let's look at another passage and and this comes from luke chapter 18 verses 10 through 14 and i guess if there is a sinner's prayer in scripture this might be a sinner's prayer so to speak but not really how people try to use it maybe Uh, Luke 18 10 through 14 two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus God I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers or even like this tax collector I fast twice a week I give tithes of all that I get but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying God be merciful to me a sinner I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted." So does that teach that if a person wants to be justified today, that all he needs to do is say,
2: God, be merciful to me, a sinner? If that's the case, then I guess Jesus contradicted himself in Mark 16, 15, and 16. Mm. So I would say no. As Good a matter point. of fact, the Bible says no. Th- Jesus was bringing up a very excellent point that one needs to be humble and that we see the publican and the sinner and we see their attitudes. We need to have the right attitude when we come before God. And the sinner went away justified. Number one, he was a son of Abraham. That's why
0: right absolutely and that's going back to what you were saying earlier about the criminal on the cross we need to look at what what law they were under we need to look at the fact that that these were two men who were both israelites so they were born into a covenant relationship with god and so we're not talking here about an alien sinner. we're not talking about somebody who had never known god in order to come into a covenant with him we're talking about a better analogy I guess to today might be someone uh, like if I left the path if I went away okay. uh, and then came back would not you say that that would be a better analogy rather than someone who is not in a covenant with God not yes. not a Christian uh, that that this isn't how a person came into a covenant but how a person came back to where they should have been all along
2: excellent point and we see in with the publican he was seeking to justify himself right the sinner said he understood that it only it was, it was his relationship with God that was going to justify him. And it was Jesus that recognized that and said, He went on His way and He was justified. Right. And that, the whole point of this parable that Jesus is telling, isn't it? Is about
0: humility. Yes, and sir. it's about humbling ourselves before That's God. Right. And when you think about baptism, isn't baptism one of the most humble Passive acts in the world where we allow ourselves to be baptized?
2: As a matter of fact, when you consider the Greek in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it's in the passive mood. Right. So one is submitting themselves to baptism, they're submitting themselves to having their sins washed away. And God is then, uh, He is uh, operating on them. Colossians 2, we quoted that earlier, verses 11 through 14. So when we consider the gospel, the gospel teaches us to humble ourselves.
0: Right. I, I like to think about First Peter chapter three and verse twenty one, about passage. how baptism is an appeal to God for a clean conscience. That's right. And you know, and and in this case, a person who is in a covenant relationship with God and who realizes and I, I haven't been doing what's right, I'm a sinner, I need I need to be forgiven. That we need to come to God and humble ourselves and submit to him and appeal to him for a clean conscience. But somebody that's outside of Christ, somebody that's not in a covenant relationship with God, the way that they come into that covenant today is to humble themselves, submit themselves, and as Peter said, appeal to God for a clean conscience. And that happens when they submit in,
2: in the waters of baptism, right? very true when we consider what the hebrews writer said in hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 and 15 and also in hebrews chapter 10 and verse number four we understand that the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin right but it took the the blood of christ which sprinkled upon the conscience of man and the bible clearly teaches in hebrews chapter 9 verse uh verse 14 and 15 brother west is that it sprinkles our conscience and it's an answer of a good conscience toward god like first peter chapter 3 verse 21 but in order for us to truly go to god we have to have our conscience cleansed from dead works to serve the living god what's the dead works it's sin that's right it's sin that's right and that that brings up an interesting
0: point is that when we are when we are Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 says that sin separates us from God right I mean if somebody isn't in a covenant relationship with God they really can't expect to be able to go before the throne of God and make an appeal like, forgive me God, uh, because they haven't been forgiven yet. They've been separated from God because of their own sin. It's not until we're cleansed, it's not until we're forgiven that we can even approach his throne of grace expecting and and hoping for, being confident about uh, forgiveness and mercy.
2: Great point, great point, uh, Brother West. When we consider uh, like what Peter said in 1 Peter 3 in verse number 12, uh, he says something that was very emphatic as a matter of fact when you consider what peter is saying here he is very uh he understood that the sinner himself could not come to god matter of fact under the uh, patriarchal dispensation, under the Mosaic dispensation, and definitely in the Christian dispensation, one could not come to God unless they came through Jesus Christ, John 14, verse 6. Right. But I want to read a passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse number 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto his prayers. But the face of the Lord are against those who do evil. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what is a sinner? A sinner is one who lives in sin a mm-hmm. one that practiced evil. God is not listening to those who are evil. Well, one may say, well, when we're talking about the sinner's prayer, we're talking about one who is leaving uh, that evil mindset and going toward God. Still, God has given us a way in order to make that happen. He makes it happen through the gospel, through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Right. And the
0: sinner's prayer kind of tries to go around God's plan, it seems to me, and it tries to say, hey, I'm going to invite Jesus into my life. I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart, when really The gospel is not our invitation to God. It's God's invitation invitation to us through Christ. And we're really not in a position to ask God for anything until He's washed our sins away. And that happens, again, according to the New Testament in the waters of baptism. Let's look at another passage before we close. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 11. When you just read this passage all by itself, and again, we talked about considering the context, it seems like it might be teaching something like we've been talking about, Uh, but let's look at it. Romans 10, uh, starting in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So does that teach the idea that all a person needs to do is believe and confess, say a prayer,
2: uh, and they'll be saved? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, we find Paul, and he's talking to the church at Rome, and he is pointing back to Israel. And how Israel, of course, trying to justify themselves and said, no, you can't justify yourself. As a matter of fact, if you're going to hear the gospel, you need a preacher. And the preacher is going to bring forth God's word, God's divine oracles, if you will. God's divine oracles teaches us what we must do in order to be saved. When I look at the sinner's prayer, I look at men trying to come up with their own doctrine, twisting to their own destruction and it's very unfortunate and that's why as gospel teachers and preachers we want to do our part in love of course ephesians 4 15 and try to do our best to try to uh, lend men's minds back to the word of god right and you know when we when we look at this
0: issue a lot of people say well ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 says that by grace we've been saved through faith so if we're saved through faith if we're saved by grace uh, does does baptism play a part in that, or or are we trying to teach people that they have to work their way to heaven? A lot of people try to accuse those of us who believe that it's at the point of baptism uh, that a person is saved. They say, "Well, Wes, you're just teaching that that a person is saved by their works." But faith and
2: baptism go hand in hand, don't they? Yes, they go hand in hand. As a matter of fact, according to John six twenty nine, belief is a work. Right. Right. You know, and if anything. A belief is the work of man. Baptism is the work of God. Right. That's where God does his work. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. We're we're submitting to God. And again, going back to that idea of how passive baptism is. Yes. A lot of people say, well, well, Wes, when you teach that you have to be baptized, you're teaching a work salvation. But like you said, Jesus even said that belief is a work. It's doing something. It's, doing something. it's not a good work, like Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2, like like helping somebody cross the street. I'm not gonna be saved by by doing works of merit, exactly. I'm not gonna be saved by by helping people. I can't do enough good to erase the bad I've done, the sin, Mm -hmm. the only hope I have is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you start looking at all of the things scripture says that you need to do in order to receive that salvation, baptism is the the least um, active of those. It's the most passive of those, it says, It says, Mike, you and Wes are going to have to die to yourself and be buried. Somebody else is going to have to take you and bury you under that water. And that's the point you'll come in contact with the blood of Christ.
2: And another thing, Brother Wes, is how does one identify with the death of Christ without baptism? Right. If one is saved before baptism, that means that God's plan of salvation is mute means absolutely nothing right which means God can't be trusted Mm. God can be trusted he will never lie
0: to us that's right that's right and when you look at passages like Romans 10 I think that sometimes we make a mistake again like we said before we pull a verse out of context and if people read the whole book it this is a letter that that Paul was writing to the church in Rome, and and they didn't say, hey, let's open up this letter to (laughs) Romans chapter 10. They just read the book of Romans. They just read the letter, and Romans chapter 6, which comes a few chapters obviously before chapter 10, lays out exactly what baptism is, but he was talking to Christians. He was talking to people that already knew this. We hear sometimes, we hear people say, um, you need to become a Christian and then be baptized. But when we look at scripture, do you ever see a Christian who is not baptized? Do you do you ever see uh, somebody becoming saved, becoming a Christian first, and then being baptized, or is it that they become a Christian at the point of baptism?
2: They become a Christian at the point of baptism. Why would Jesus say, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved? Right. You know, the very fact that men are saying that baptism is not essential for salvation, the sinner's prayer, uh, in essence, they're saying that, uh, the blood of Christ is not necessary for right. salvation right For that's when you come in contact with the blood of Christ. Uh, the gospel that we preach is a gospel that's filled with blood. Anyone that doesn't preach the gospel it's a bloodless gospel. That's right that's right and and that's
0: what what I hope that that we get across is that we're not saying that that water saves a person I mean I can't take you and dunk you in a pool of water and (laughs) and that's gonna save anybody we we're talking about the blood and we're talking about when does a person come into contact with the blood of Christ and we read Romans 6 when we read first Peter 3 when we read Acts chapter 2 uh, we read all of these passages throughout the New Testament uh, we see that idea so Mike, we, we just have a couple more minutes before we close, but if you had to just give one more thought about this subject, what, what would you like to share with people?
2: Uh, I would, let us turn to Romans chapter 6, and let's look at verses uh, 17, 16 and 17. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slave to whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." One, one, one thing I just really want to say, that it's going to take that form of doctrine, and we don't find that idea, that doctrine, of the sinner's prayer but we do find that form of doctrine in which god has left us in his word right right we don't we don't want somebody to
0: believe that they need to be baptized in order to become a christian because we said so that's right we we just want to look at what does the bible say and it really is a shame is it's a shame that there are so many people teaching things that are contrary to scripture because it's really pretty simple isn't it i mean it's a it's a simple plan it's a simple truth that if a person believes in jesus christ submits themselves to christ trust christ and repents of their sin turn away from those things and is buried in the water of baptism that any of us can have our sins washed away by the blood of christ i am so thankful for this conversation i'm thankful for this information Uh, we we've got one final thought that that we want to share with you we'll be back in just a moment with that final thought stay with us
1: more crosstalk in a minute we have been here for 18 years seven years for 19 years the past eight years
0: baker heights church of christ invites you to take the next step by faith
1: people can come here
2: and be who they are it's my home away from home Uh, the, the people that come here are so uplifting everyone is accepted
1: the people here are loving and caring and uh, only want the best for you it's a really great place to grow together and to encourage each other if you came to baker heights you would definitely have a place to serve
2: if you're looking for a place to study and study the word of god and uh, a church home baker heights would be the place the baker
0: heights community is about more than just filling seats we're about
1: love family peace hope joy
0: truth join us and take the next step by faith i want to thank mike again for being on the show today friends the bottom line is this your biggest problem my biggest problem is the problem of sin i've sinned and you've sinned the bible makes us aware of that fact it also makes us aware of the fact that if we do nothing about our sin problem we will spend eternity in hell romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death But the good news is that the Bible also makes us aware of the fact that Jesus, the Son of God, came to take care of our sin problem. He came that we might be saved from our sin. If you want to be saved if you want to be forgiven if you want to be a disciple of jesus christ then you have to look to the bible for your answers mark 16 15 and 16 says and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned if you haven't been if you haven't believed and been baptized you're not saved of course, if you don't believe, it makes no difference whether or not you've been baptized because you can't be saved unless you believe, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21 says, Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And finally, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to study those passages in their context. And if you'd like another passage to write down and study, Romans chapter 6, go read that entire chapter. If you'd like to study with someone about this issue or if you have a question about something you've heard on the show, please send us an email to questions at bakerheights.org. We may even include your question on a future episode so others can benefit from the answer as well. Again, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I hope you learned something, and I hope you were encouraged. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about Crosstalk and join us again next Wednesday at noon right here on The CW. We love you. God loves you. Have a wonderful day.